It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Scano Sego Ani Bojo Kwekwe Tansi, and welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses, and you are listening to Element FM in Ottawa and Toronto. My first guest on the show today is actually someone we had on the show not too long ago in a bit of a different capacity, but somewhat related. Somewhat, yes. Shelley Hamilton is here, and she has a new CD. Now, she was here uh, last time with the Afro Métis Nation, mm-hmm. and we were talking about the music that they had come out with, and we were talking a little bit about about that. But as we were leaving the show uh, last time, Shelley said, Hey, David, I got this new CD, and uh, why don't we talk about that and have, have uh, me back on the show, uh, because I'm doing this uh, country music thing. And, uh, you know, she said, a black woman singing country music. <laughs> so <laughs> she, she was all fired up about that. I still am. <laughs> now, Shelley, you, uh, I, first of all, welcome back to the show. It's oh, great to have you here. thank you. It's so great to have, uh, have me back. I'm just thrilled to be talking with you again and uh, about my passion and about this work. You know, the other thing I want to tell you and uh, the listener is that, of course, you did uh, manage to get me a CD that I could listen to and... Physical hard copy. Uh, Who physical does that copy. anymore? Oh my goodness! I know. I was I was impressed. I you went know? totally old school. It's got a cover and everything. Everything. <laughs> it's very true. It's changed so much technologically that uh, you, you know very seldom do we ever uh, get hard copies of things. It's all done uh, transferred and you know uploaded and on sticks and away you go and you're done. Yep. Now, um, I guess uh, before we get into the CD, I'd like to know. What attracted you to the idea of doing country music? It's kind of funny because people, uh, as I've been speaking to people and telling them what I'm doing, it's kind of weird to actually tell people now that I'm doing music as a country artist because instantly their eyes lift and they go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. You know, they're expecting jazz or they're expecting blues. And right. of course, there's elements in that music in, mm. in country. Of course, mm-hmm. the roots of it are very blues-based, very black-based. Um, but it's unfortunate that people forget the actual roots of the music. And that's what it was for me, was partly... Uh, I had mentioned to you before, I feel like as an artist, my music always becomes a story of my culture. Mm. And I don't do that intentionally. It Mm. just ends up becoming that because it's literally like the stories need to be told. But with this music more so, I I thought I was doing a a project uh, about, you know, wanting to get back to the roots of of music and what I grew up with, which was true. Um, But then it became a whole giant ball of wax because when I started working with George Elliott Clark on the Afro Métis album, and then I was also doing this work at the same time, I looked at everything and went, I'm telling stories about my family again. Mm. How could I not see that? Mm. And it was the same thing when I've done work as an artist in theater and in um, in documentary work. It's been about Africville and it's been about the Black Loyalists. And then when I started doing music about this, all the more when I went back to Nova Scotia and started researching the lineage of my afro heritage and not being able to find a lot of the stories about my roots and about other people's roots and knowing that people weren't learning about this education and remembering as a little girl that I knew some of my dear friends who were black and of mixed ancestry and they were talking about visiting their grandmother who was native on the reserve and I just thought that is interesting but never thought of it as my history because it wasn't infused in my life until I got older and found out about my own history and found out about my great-grandmother being from the Gold River Reserve and going, wait, wait, we know what her reserve was? 
can I find out more about the story? Mm. And that's what started it so much for me, was trying to find these stories, not just for my ancestry, but for other people. It's like finding a needle in the haystack because they have never been documented. They weren't educated. They were living on the outskirts. They were ostracized along with the black community. So, of course, they became... uh, They came together and they had relationships. How could they not? They were supporting each other during a time when they were constantly ostracized, constantly demeaned, constantly devalued. And at the same time, these are the same people that culturally, if it wasn't for them, they helped the white loyalists and the black loyalists survive in those harsh climates. So I look at this history and go, how can I not honor their memory? How can I not honor who they are? And for me, as a woman who did not know her Métis lineage until she got old, It allows me as an artist, again, to honor that ancestry and also honor those stories that never got a chance to be spoken. And now that I hear, literally hear my ancestors, they are telling me, thank you. Keep writing. Keep telling the stories. Let them know about us. Let them know about that beauty. Let them know about that honor and that history. And I really feel like my great grandmother is actually saying to me, thank you. Mm. I'm glad you now know who I am. Mm. I'm glad you now know on the periphery, you didn't get to grow up with me. You didn't get to know what it was like growing up on a reserve. As a black woman, I feel that same disconnect with not being able to know what it was like to sit with my grandmother in Africville. Mm. But I can go back to those memories that she gave me afterwards about Africville and about that music. And that same music is the same music that's infused historically in me, and which is what I'm trying to translate. And I've been having such an incredible time having a chance and an honor to tell these stories. What a great opening. (laughs) (laughs) It's an honest opening. I I literally felt like when I started on this, I had to take a breath back because I was crying at some moments going, my God, how you are telling me so much that I didn't know. Like I I had a, I I have dreams. I woke up from a dream a week ago and my great grandmother, my great great grandmother said to me, write about Gold River, Mm. write about Gold River, write about what you don't know, write about what you feel about not having a chance to know about those experiences. Because for me as a person of that lineage, my experiences I never had a chance to experience it. Mm-hmm. I've gone out trying to source out those connections that make me feel whole. And I know there are a lot of people of mixed ancestry, regardless whether it's Aboriginal or not, or not, that have that feeling of disconnect, and then they're trying to find it again. So my stories, being able to do this, is also a universal story. It's also making people maybe recognize that in themselves and come back full circle and embrace it mm-hmm. and acknowledge it. It's very true what you just said, and I was going to actually touch on that wholeness that you mentioned because I think when you do find that or you are able to find out something about that story you you didn't know before, it adds to your wholeness. It it adds it it fills in the holes that are missing in in your life. It absolutely does. And you're you're right. Many people uh, experience the same thing, including myself. So I do know exactly what you're talking about. Now, uh, when you say write about it, it, are you saying about that, that some of the material on this album is, is, uh, is from or directly related to those stories you were just pertaining to? Oh, absolutely. Uh, some of the songs on the album relate to that from uh, Shella and also in relation even with the Afro CD. That's mm. why it was so crazy writing these 
uh, songs and these stories, it was like, I'm just going back. I'm going back in order to go forward. I'm letting people know this is really the story of who I am. And, you know, in the past, of course, I've written and sang stories about myself and my life, but not to this extent, not exactly uh, relating to the stories of who I am as a person, who shaped me, what stories shaped me. So uh, even in regards to the Shella album, when I wrote Settle, it was a total love homage to my mother mm. and what she gave me in insight about how I need to respect myself. And I, I thought, I'm going to give that as a shout out to any woman or any man that wants to know what it's like, what you need to know before you fall in love. So I consider it a strong ballad testimony of standing up for yourself for love. That's what my mom gave me. White Lightning is, again, another story about my mom. My mom used to make moonshine. And I thought, my little brothers and sisters, because our parents died when we were younger, they didn't get a chance to know about some of these funny and humorous and sweet stories about our parents. Mm. So I realized I'm also giving a legacy to mm. my siblings, to my nieces and nephews, for them to understand those stories of our ancestral history and to continue to write those stories so they know. I'm really honored that at this time in my life, I can have them literally in my spine keeping me more erect as I continue to go forward with this work. Because now it's it's not me necessarily writing songs and telling stories. I, I have no control over it. It's them. Mm. Um, you mentioned something. You mentioned, first of all, Settle That Song, a beautiful song on, on this, the new CD that you mentioned. And I wanted to just uh, ask for clarification and pardon my ignorance on mm-hmm. this, but you mentioned the word Africville. What does that relate to when you say that? Africville. Africville is literally a story that is very similar to what happened to those of Aboriginal ancestry in Nova Scotia. Mm. Africville was a community that was a black community in of itself in Halifax. Mm. And we lived independently. I say we because my lineage is also Africville. My ancestors lived there independently and they had their own strong community there. And in the late 60s, they were actually taken out of their community. They were forced out of the community by the government and they were given paltry sums of property in the city and paid $500 basically for their land that they owned. And they were taken out of their community for quote unquote development that never happened. It was literally taking land away from people in the late 60s. And I've done workshops and I've done even theater uh, about this story. And I did um, an independent uh, documentary production with Cyrus Cinder Singh for the Atlantic Film, Fe- Film Festival a couple of years ago about this history that a lot of people don't know. People were literally taken from their land and thrown out of there and put in welfare communities in the late 60s. And That's my generation. I was brought up during that time. So it behooved me to tell these stories. It behooves me to be a person of this generation that lets my next generation know you are still of this history. People from Africville still go back and celebrate and have an Africville picnic every year to celebrate their lineage, their history, and more so to make sure the new generation does not forget. I am one of those people that is of the new generation. And that is my purpose to also tell that story. So some of the music I'm doing right now is I'm writing music and dedicating it to my grandmother, her mother, for them to know that I hear you and I'm going to be telling your stories. Don't worry. No one will forget you. They won't have a choice. Mm. Not through me. Okay. 
Uh, I just want to uh, interject and say that uh, that passionate voice you're listening to is uh, Shelley Hamilton, and uh, <laughs> she's my guest here on Element FM today. And uh, you may have heard her mention the East Coast. She is from Nova Scotia. Uh, she was, I guess, raised or partly in uh, in Halifax, around that. Uh, primarily in Dartmouth, a black okay. community there called Cherry Brook. Shout out Cherry Brook. Shout out Preston Peaks. <laughs> shout out to my people in Scotia. Love you. You know Scotian to the core. <laughs> but I want to tell you, because what we didn't do when we started the show, we just launched right into some things and, and uh, it, it gave people a little bit more of a background on, on y- yourself. And uh, you are, of course, a singer, an actor, a host, a producer and writer. And uh, you've followed uh, and flowed through those mediums uh, over time in the entertainment area. Uh, as we mentioned, Nova Scotia is home and Toronto now based here. In Toronto, and uh, but you have also performed internationally from Dubai to Japan with some uh, uh, and sang on some award-winning albums with some uh, with some uh, people. You've sang acapella, of course. Yep. Uh, acapella with stand-up comedy. That, that Absolutely, <laughs> I do it all. What's that? <laughs> you get. You've got to see me doing a reggae version of Yellow Submarine. Okay. It's pretty. <laughs> Freaking funny. <laughs> well, we're going to have to do that, and people are going to have to look you up. And, and people, if they're interested, uh, you know, if we've sparked some interest already, you can uh, look uh, Shelly up uh, at shellyhamilton.ca. That's your website, I believe. That's correct. And that will give you more information about uh, Shelly and uh, her new CD, which we have been talking about, uh, uh, Shella. Shella. And, yeah. And uh, some great tunes on this CD, so I encourage you to look it up. And it, I have to say, in listening to it and... Uh, you you have mentioned also that you're you know that East Coast influence uh, of you growing up there and and the, the music that influenced you there, but you also have other influences from country to soul and roots music, and 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 other things, and I think that comes through in the CD. Oh yeah, like my roots of who I am and the roots of uh, the music, it, it comes through there. It's just really honest, and that's the thing I like about doing what I'm doing right now. I, I've been working with. Um, some new players right now as we're de- as I'm developing the pieces and uh, I'm back in the studio with Tim Bovaconti who uh, worked on me with this album with uh, Stella Panacci my co-writer uh, Tim is just one of those type of people that really nails it and allows you to be able to get at what you're trying to get at as far as your music is concerned so it's really great to be able to develop these new pieces and that right now and do that same sort of thing but this time I'm really sitting it in it and going how could it not be soul how could it not be mm-hmm. roots I grew up in Nova Scotia I'm I love those Celtic influences that I've had as much as I've had the soul and the country and all of that is part of the roots of that music so how can it not be part of what I'm doing right now but mine's different it's got a bit of a twist on it and I hear it as I'm developing these stuff these yeah. things I, I and when you say that I think uh, one track that that kind of jumps out at me in that vein is is trying to keep it together Yes, that was written by Stella. Oh, yeah. It's a really great, strong song. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a, There's a lot of great songs on here. Um, uh, now, Emily. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Uh, Daddy, number two, is yes. another nice one. Yeah. Beautiful pieces. Yeah. And you mentioned Settle, which uh, which I think is, is another beautiful tune as well. Um, now, uh, what do you hope to accomplish with this? I hope that this music allows people to see uh, Stella and I as the writers and the songs, the, the singers that we are, and also to hear and feel the passion of what we've done with our music right now. It's time. It's time for people to hear that and to see and recognize that uh, 
black people in country music are a thing and I'm one of them. And even though right now I'm a little bit of a unicorn, I love being a unicorn and People like unicorns because you don't really see them too often. So I hope that as a unicorn, people are going to go, now I want to know what this Shella album is all about. And I want to hear this music and I want to know what they're doing in country music. And I'll tell you, I know Stella and I wouldn't have done uh, the work that we've done on this unless we knew it was strong and it was powerful Mm. and it really showed us as strong women doing our music. And, you know, I like right now that we're also developing our our own work individually. But this, this work that we've done as a testimony to what we want to do as artists and what we want to do individually. And for me, I'm just continuing to develop and continuing to write in this vein. It has been such a passion and such a joy. And I love the response from everyone. Everyone has been saying, this is great. I embrace this. And now my biggest challenge is to get more of the industry to embrace it and wonder who the unicorn is mm. and and hear my stories. Because my, my work with this is twofold. It is not just being a black woman breaking out into country music in Canada. That in itself is a force and a feat that is exhausting. And mm. this last year has been exhausting but incredible. Um, but as I go forward, I want more people in the industry to go, I heard about this person Mm. and I want them to know I'm a unicorn. They should come and see the unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you mentioned Stella a couple of times. So tell us about uh, Stella Panassi because she's, as you say, uh, another force on this uh, CD as well. Estella's been working and, and writing as an artist for several years. And I think that when we met a couple of years ago, it was at that time when we both wanted to see how we could grow as artists. And we never went into it thinking it needed to be anything, it just needed to become. And I think us supporting one another to develop each other's work and each other's vision allowed us to come out of this feeling stronger as artists, feeling stronger, especially as women in this field. I think we came into it just uh, honing and honoring our strength as women to know that we could write and we could arrange and we could support each other with this type of music. And I think in general, I love working with artists that literally look at one another and say, let's lift each other up. And that's what it's all been about for me. So I think it's nice to have a product that's finished that also shows that we have lifted each other up musically with what we've done. Uh, Do you have a favorite track on the CD? Wow, it's that's hard for me because I... I enjoy all the different pieces for different reasons. But if I was going to hold on to a piece that I love the most, I'd probably say Settle for me just because Mm. it always makes me cry when I hear it because I think it's my mom saying thanks for honoring Mm. what I told you Mm. and thanks for telling your siblings and for other women. Mm. Thanks for letting them know they can have a ballad that's about being empowered, about love. And these are all original tunes, correct? Yes, they are. Except for Booster. Booster is oh. uh, a remake of a classic children's nursery rhyme, actually. Okay, I was just going to ask you about that track, in fact, so uh, because that one also stood out to me. Yeah. Um, again, that's that's resonating. I had an, a real ancestor moment with that song. Um, I happened to be working with a woman by the name of Ruth Holmes Whitehead when I was doing the research about the Afro-Métis lineage in Nova Scotia. And she started talking to me about Gullah music and music from the South in the U.S. and John's Island uh, in, in particular. And I just went, what are you talking about? What is this music? And she spoke Gullah. Uh, she grew up there in the U.S. So she was telling me about her 
history with it and the, the language. And she started playing me some of this music. And it, it made me cry. Like hearing this music made me cry. And I told her, I said, I think I'm connected to this lineage. I said, I, I'm not really sure how, but I think I'm connected to it. And then lo and behold, a couple of days later, I happened to be speaking to someone from Preston who grew up in that area as a child. He, he grew up there. And then he said to me, oh, I remember them playing Gullah music in Preston. And I took a hold of his hand and I went, wait a minute, you remember hearing Gullah in Preston? He goes, yes, absolutely. He said, of course, I don't do it now because the generations are lost and they don't do the music. And then I heard the generations are being lost. And again, that's again, me just glomming on to someone to an ancestor and going, okay, I need to honor that. Mm-hmm. So I went back to this music and then Ruth uh, sent me uh, some of the pieces. And one that kept standing out for me was Booster, a little old lady, old lady come from Booster. Mm-hmm. And I just went, I can play with this and do a really interesting, different arrangement on this. It would be super fun. And uh, taking it in a different different way taking that children's nursery rhyme and playing with in a different way so we just had a really good time with it on the arrangement and I just had so much fun with it and I love performing it because it allows people to just be free and get into the rhythm and the feel of the music and Mm. they can interpret it in whatever way they want it's literally just about having a moment of just getting getting into the music now you know it's interesting uh you you've been you've been doing music and performance for for quite some time but you also did this uh, spin on on Drake tune you yeah I want to talk about that a little bit that was a really uh, there was one of those type of things that again it was me staying true to what I was feeling as a as an artist my vision as an artist and throwback from five or six years ago when that song first came out I heard it I loved it but I heard it as a country tune um no dissing Drake but for me, it was always a country tune in my head. I always heard it as a country tune. Mm. And I also heard it as a woman singing to a guy because guys won't usually be in that state of absolute vulnerability that when you're coming back to your woman, you are mm. home, mm. just literally falling and let, letting go. So I wanted to write it and do an arrangement in that way that was like beautiful and light and just had this feel of home, but from an opposite perspective. So uh, I started working on the arrangement uh, with a guitar player, um, another Maritimer, Ben Healy. And then when I'd had the arrangement, the basis of it down, I thought I'll bring it to Tim again and let's see what I can do on this arrangement. So I finished um, the work on the piece and it was done. But I thought, well, why not bring uh, Stella onto the piece because we can add those harmonies that we add so well and just bring it to that next level. So that's that's what I did with the piece. and. Mm-hmm. People have been responding so beautifully to it. The The biggest compliment I can get was that I never thought it was a Drake tune. I don't like Drake, but I like that tune. No dissing Drake. I'm just, just so everyone knows, I'm not dissing the man, okay? Um, but I love it when people hear something that they've heard before in a way that makes them like the tune again, mm. or they never like the tune until I did it. Mm. I've done that uh, several times with pieces of music, and that's my biggest honor when someone comes mm. back and tells me that they like the tune, because I always tell people, a good song is a good song. Mm. It just sometimes takes a couple of times to have it reinterpreted for people to like it in a different yeah. way. Yeah, just as you say, an interpretation. Now, uh, Shelley, the other thing that uh, you have done is you have been awarded the 2019 Artist of the Year from the Africa Nova Scotian Music Association Awards. Yeah. So congratulations on that Thank as well. Thank you. Thank you. It was a, it was a big honor. It was, it was such a, 
I don't know. I've won it before, um, you know, about 10 years ago, again, in relation to my work, always about community and history and culture. Um, but this time it was really different because I needed them to understand how much it moved me that they recognized what I was doing. I stood there so proudly to tell them, I know you've never seen this before in your communities. I know you've seen it, but you haven't seen it acknowledged and recognized. I want you to feel me when I tell you this. A black woman in country music, you have seen it before, but I want you to know more people need to see it. Our communities have seen it. We've grown up with it, but now we need to let more and more of Canada know about us. So let them know I'm here. You're recognizing me. You let everyone else recognize me. My community hears and feels and acknowledges my work. Now it's time for more of Canada to recognize the unicorn from Nova Scotia. <laughs> and when Anne Murray gets a chance to hear some of the stuff that I've done. And she will. Shout out to Anne Murray, by the way. And if you're listening, <laughs> Anne, I'm still loving you, darling. When Anne gets to hear some of my tunes too, she'll really be happy. That's that's all I'm saying. I think she'll be happy with them. I don't even know yet, but I'm having a feeling she'll be happy with them. Well, if people are happy with your take on Hold On, We're Coming Home from, from Drake, and uh, that was uh, partly uh, associated with that award we were talking about. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, they recognized the work that I did with that. They recognized what I was doing in relation to the Afro Métis work, and, mm. and that stuff haven't, hadn't even been released yet. Mm. But they knew. I was coming down. I was researching. I was workshopping. I was coming into the studio. It's very rare that you'll see artists literally putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, I, I should I should change that. We always do. But to the extent that I was, we were just mindless mm. with this. Like every time we needed to do something, it wasn't about how we're going to do it. We just did it. We didn't get grants or funding for mm. this. We did try. Mm. We knew that this work is groundbreaking. But mm. I think my community saw that I wasn't letting anything hamper the vision that we had. We were passionate about this vision. We wanted to have to complete this work because we knew it was important and we knew there was a generation that needed to know about us. We didn't want to do anything except claim the history and the heritage, have it acknowledged by our music and by our passion. Mm. And that in itself has been a beautiful and humbling experience to have people recognize it at this time. Well, Shelley, your passion certainly is uh, contagious, and it certainly is oozing out of you. And, I know, uh, I can't stand it sometimes. <laughs> it's great. It's like, rain me in, rain me no, in, but get me no, in front I'll of a microphone and get me on a stage. You'll know I am a storyteller to the nth degree, and I've got some stories to tell everybody. Well, you know what? <laughs> I think that we've, we've talked quite a bit, and people, I think, are fired up. And don't forget, folks, if you're interested in, in finding out more about uh, Shelley Hamilton, you can go to her website, ShelleyHamilton.ca. And you can read all about her on there, find out how to even engage her in, a, in, a, in some sort of a event that you have coming up. And I'm sure she'd be very excited to Got do that. Got lots of stuff coming up for the holidays. And you can also check uh, our workout on afromatey.ca. Yeah. And we're also on you on Spotify and all those things you can stream. Just look up Afromatey Nation or Shella, S-H-E-L-L-A, and you can find our music there too. We'd love to hear from you. It's been a pleasure having you on the show once again, and I look forward to having you back again sometime. Oh, you betcha. You just call me. I'll come a-running. <laughs> okay. You're awesome. Sounds great. Thanks, everyone. And thank you for listening, but don't go away. We will we'll be right back on Element FM and Moment of Truth with the second part of our show. Stay tuned. And welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And my next guest is Joe Similaya Alcampo. 
Now, Joe is here to talk about a, a performance. Now, it looks very interesting, and Helot is its name, and it means healer. So, Joe, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, uh, tell us about this. It, it's, I guess it's based in traditional Filipino uh, folklore? Yeah, it is. Okay. Thank you, David. So this play, um, it's produced by Cahoots Theatre in association with Be Current Performing Arts. And um, the play takes place in 1945, in the last days of the three-year uh, Second World War that um, had occupation of the Japanese Imperial Army in Manila. Okay. And these last days of the war were c- called the Battle of Manila. And it was the second most destroyed Allied country in World War II after Warsaw, Poland. And there's not a lot of um, history or stories about this from a Filipino Mm. perspective, Mm -hmm. from a Philippine perspective. So I've always heard stories about the war from my my family. um, And also, I believe that intergenerational kind of trauma exists and can impact our generation, even though we haven't lived in the war. so it takes place in the last days of the war in the outskirts of Manila. And there's this oasis, a garden that's among the ruins. And um, a caretaker of the garden is Manang Flor. She's a manghihilot, so a healer. She can fix broken bones and sprains. She's also an albulario. She knows how to use herbal medicines to heal. She's taken in an orphan, Alma, a young woman, who is the opposite of Flor. She is a warrior. She loves to create weapons out of stingray tails and bladed weapons. And they both try to protect each other and this safe haven during the war. And on the night of Araw na Mangapatay, the Day of the Dead, which in the Philippines is October 31st to November 1st, um, a stranger crosses over into this garden and threatens to unbalance um, the the energies. And then... An, it, the stranger awakens this uneasy spirit that has been hidden for centuries in this centuries-old balete tree. It's a giant tree with roots in the theater. You'll see it. It reaches out into the audience. And um, these unlikely group of individuals have to learn how to work together to survive the war. And they learn lessons of love and truth together. Wow. I'm hooked. I want to. I want to see this. this I want you to great. come. <laughs> this sounds great. Thank you. And I love what you just said about that. It, it it has folklore. It has this sort of a spirituality side to it. Uh, the duality of of the, the the healer and against the warrior that brings is very strong. You know, opposing, uh, contrasting things. Um, now, you were you're from uh, Manila. You were born in Manila, but you live in uh, Toronto. So tell me uh, about, uh, when did you come to, to Toronto? I came as a child at age five. Okay. So we immigrated here during the Marcos dictatorship in the 70s, mm. and my parents settled in Scarborough. Okay. Yeah. And then you, but you're a multidisciplinary artist, so yes. tell me about getting into the arts and tell me mm. about w- what other things you've been up to and, mm. and how you got to this point. Thank you. I, I studied at OCAD as a mm. mature student, okay. and uh, I studied integrated media, and um, I was also really influenced by the teachers in the Indigenous Visual Studies program, like Bonnie, Le- Bonnie Devine and mm. Tannis Nielsen. Mm. And it was um, my first time uh, learning about Philippine kind of uh, Indigenous worldviews 
in an educational setting, and it really changed the course of my life. Um, and for my final year project, I ended up going to the Philippines to learn how can artists use indigenous knowledge, systems, and practices in an ethical way in our artwork. And um, my, my teacher said, who are you going to ask? Is it just one person? Who are you going to ask? I said, I don't know, but I need to go and I think be um, in my homeland where I had not been in since I was a child. Mm. And what happened is I worked with um, indigenous teachers and healers, and they told me, be on the land, listen to the land. And that is where you will um, have your answers or your explorations and it was it was very true. There was an energy, a vibration, and a memory, like a collective consciousness memory that was awakened in me. I ended up doing a project out of that called Singing Plants Reconstruct Memory. So they're three, made up of three banana plants from the Philippines. Uh, here in Canada, they're like miniature banana plants, just about three feet tall with beautiful big leaves. In the Philippines, they're about five feet leaves uh, long. You could use them as an umbrella. And um, there were sensors that I, I in, in, uh, installed in them. The sensors are like conductive thread, beautiful silver gossamer, like, like spider web. And the plants all had ruptures in them. Um, and they had uh, been stitched together with the conductive thread. And when people reach out to the plants with our own energy, because we're full of water and electricity, the plants sing to you. They sing the hudhud chant of the Ifagao indigenous people of the northern Cordillera, they play the kulintang gong instrument from the southern Philippines, and they play bamboo instruments. And it really made me understand that even though you may not have experienced ruptures or fractures as uh, intergenerational trauma, you can still reach out and, um, and reconnect with them, even in small gestures like that. Now, we, uh, it sounds wonderful. It all sounds wonderful, I got to tell you. Uh, Helot, um, it is, it, it in fact is being performed now yes, up until. That's right. Uh, when, is it November sometime? Uh, or is it? October 27th. Okay. Yeah, it's our last performance. There's. Um, and and how, how, how interesting that it's coming up to Halloween. Yes, that's <laughs> right, David. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the our ancestors are with us in this mm. play. There's a ceremonial aspect to it, the way it's, it, it began was in our rehearsals. We had um, a, a guest, uh, honored guest, Lindy Kenoshemek, who's Odawa Nation uh, Pike Clan, who is an educator and artist at Young People's Theater. He came, and with the whole cast and crew, we started off by um, learning the seven ancestral teachings of the Anishinaabe. Mm. And it's helped guide us, and it's going to guide us through the entire run of the play. So when we... Um, deal with conflict or we kind of hit um, a, a place where we're not sure where to go, we go back to those values um, around hum honesty, humility, wisdom, love, respect, bravery, and truth, and they help guide us. And what Lindy encouraged us to do was think of our own cultural regeneration to really value our indigenous stories from Philippine um, ancestry, and also explore what are all our values that are connected to the seven ancestral teachings. So for us to be guided in that way all through the end, is it's an honor and mm. um, I think a great way of doing doing art. Mm. Yeah. Now, if people are interested and want to find out more, uh, we can tell you that uh, Helot, means healer, is, is showing at the Theatre Centre of the BMO Incubator for Live Arts at 1115 Queen Street, Western Toronto, 
from the 5th of October until the 27th, as you heard, uh, as you heard Joe mentioned. And uh, people can go uh, online, of course, to the, uh, the theater center uh, and, and find out more about that and, and get tickets. Um, Joe, as you were, you were speaking, um, I, I, w- I couldn't help but when you talked about that connection to the earth and to listen to the land and listen to the earth, as you were saying, I, I got a chill, first of all. And, and I thought of, and I don't know if, if you saw the film, and I don't know if this makes sense to you, because it, it, when I saw this, it's the one thing that I thought was the most powerful in the film. And um, um, it, it, it's the Avatar film. Are you familiar with yes. it? Did you see it? Yes. Whenever, yes. when I saw that connection between the earth and the tail, yes. I went, yeah, that, yeah, you got that right. That's it. That's the connection. That's connecting to Mother Earth. And that's what we don't see. But they kind of brought a visual element to that. And I thought, I think it went right over a lot of people's heads. But nicely said, I love the way you've described this. Uh, and I think it would be uh, excellent for people to, to see it. Now, tell me about your cast and the other people that are involved with the show. Our, our cast is a wonderful cast. They're a, a cast of um, Filipino-Canadian artists. There are over 30 um people of color involved in the, the production. Um, and Cahoots Theatre and Be Current are really committed to bringing stories by Black, Indigenous, people of color artists to the stage. And our director is Jasmine Chen and um, has brought things that I've written that they um, have interpreted in movement. And um, also the set is a beautiful set. There's a, a paleta tree there and the lighting also brings that um, energy to it, uh, that you are transported back in time. And lastly, I must credit uh, Mary Carl Giao, who does um, live performance on Indigenous pre-colonial instruments. These are gongs from the Lumad region, um, from um, the Obo Manobo tribe at the foot of Mount Apo, a sacred mountain in the Mindanao Philippines. And um, she's been trained to um, understand the ethics of using these instruments, and they provide like a like a movie score because she's doing live performance every mm. every night, mm. and um, it. Some people are saying it the the music is coming from the tree, mm. and um, that immersive quality is really what we invite people to come and experience. You've mentioned the tree a couple of times, Paleta. Balete. Balete. Yes, uh, yes. Tell me about that tree, please. Wow. So the balete tree, there's some that are uh, like 400 years old and some that are even more like 1,000, 1,000 year old in the Philippines. The balete tree, I guess, might be known to some as like the banyan tree that you might imagine with roots that reach out above ground. Mm. And the balete tree in the Philippines is known through Filipino folklore and legends as a keeper of spirits. Mm. Um, there are Our spirits are duendes or diwatas, spirits that can be called on when you need support and help, and also spirits that protect. Um, so in the garden, the balete is like a portal and um, plays a role uh, in the um, transporting the audience back and forth through time from present day 1945 to pre-colonial as uh, the Spanish uh, colonization was just beginning in Sugbo, which is now known as present, present day Cebu in the Philippines. 
as you describe that, I go. I just makes me think more about Avatar. I think they must have been referencing that tree when they. <laughs> yeah, were... that was a beautiful tree yes. of life. Yeah. yeah. Also, there's a uh, my friend Maria Mantejo, who's um, a Mayan educator, uh, shared with us. There's a tree, the Sebia tree, um, which is the tree of life, mm. and it connects the um, spirit world to the physical world. Mm. And the Seba in Philippines is the kapok tree, the um, cotton tree. And we have the same tree. And I want to research more about these world tree legends and how they are connected. They connect around so many cultures. Yeah. Wow. You know, I just want to hear you keep speaking because <laughs> I'm so fascinated with what you're talking about. And, and I find my, my synapses are just going crazy with images that you're creating for me in my mind. If people are, are wondering who, whose voice we're listening to, that's the voice of Joe Similaya Alcampo. And she... Is the uh, is the writer actually, and uh, you've also uh, you're the writer of this this uh, this play. Helot means uh, healer, and it, now it's been on tour for a while. It's uh it's opened on the ninth. Um, we had previews from the fifth to the eighth of October, mm-hmm. so it's having like a three week run mm-hmm. at the theater center. Okay, and uh, very well received. We have um, a couple of um, uh, alternative or um, offerings. So one is a um, audio described oh, performance, yeah. mm-hmm. and another is a relaxed performance. Okay. So less intense sound and lights, and there's a room where people can go to if they need to chill out. Mm-hmm. And um, you can also stand and stretch if you need to. Yeah. I, I can't wait to experience that. Those are on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and tell me, how long is the play? How long does it run uh, for? It runs for two hours okay. with a 15 minute intermission. Okay. So it's split into two acts. Mm. Yeah. Do you have plans to take it further on the road? Uh, do I would some... love to. I would love to. <laughs> We're already getting offers for Great. people that want to see it, but mm. they live far, mm. so they would. I think that there's many possibilities, and um, I, I look forward to seeing what what will happen afterwards. Just trying to get through this for experience as a first time uh, playwright for a full production. Mm. It's it's overwhelming but wonderful. I'm grateful for the experience every day. So as we were, we were talking about uh, Joe. Um, an interdisciplinary artist born in Manila and raised in Toronto. Uh, their art integrates storytelling, inter, inter, pardon me, installation-based art, and electroacoustic soundscapes, as you mentioned. Joe has developed community arts projects with queer youth, community, commu- consumer supervisors of the mental health system, and migrant domestic workers. Joe is the co-founder of, oh, now here's a name I'm not familiar with. Kapwa. Uh, oh, Kwentong Bayan. Yeah. Kwentong Bayan means community stories okay. in Filipino language. We're a comic book collective, okay. but we also do um, community projects with migrant caregivers who are here in Canada on the caregiver program. Mm-hmm. So they leave their families, often from the Philippines, to support Canadian families with uh, their children, um, elders, and um, uh, family members with disabilities. Now, Helot means healer. The, the sh- presentation, I'm wondering, what would you like people to take away from it? Uh, I guess it would be an invitation to anyone who's interested in recovering family stories, reconnecting with their own um, cultural uh, legends, and also folks that are experiencing intergenerational trauma. So when I've learned in um, Indigenous studies around the word soul wounds, that's really what I feel intergenerational trauma has. You may not have experienced 
the war or the trauma, but you were raised or connected to people but that did. And that I believe intergenerational trauma is real. So I also, as a hopeful person, believe that intergenerational healing is real mm. and possible. And this is, as an artist, the way I know how to express it. And I invite people to come and, and see what, what resonates for them in the story. Wow. Once again, Joe, it sounds absolutely wonderful, and I'm very much looking forward to being able to see this. Thank you so much, I David. wish you all the best with it as well. It just sounds absolutely wonderful, magical and, and extremely interesting, and exposing us to some things that perhaps we aren't familiar with. I love the cultural elements you've talked about, the spiritual elements, this tree of life and, you know, the baleta tree, the baleta tree. Yes. Uh, it sounds just beautiful. I can't wait to see uh, how this is all brought together and, and what the story comes out with. And I love also how you describe this as, as something for people to, to learn from, to take away, to, to help with intergen, intergen, intergenerational trauma as well. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on about th- that we, you would like to mention? Yeah, I'd love to mention that part of the um, story deals with the uh, Babaylan, who in pre-colonial history are women uh, and also trans folks who, um, because in our, in, our, in our indigenous language, there is no gender pronoun. Mm. So the Babaylan figure uh, very strongly in the pre-colonial um, flashbacks and legends. And um, the Babaylan were um, leaders, they were warriors, they were wisdom keepers, and they were in equi- they were, had an equitable relationship with the male datus, who were seen as the leaders of our tribes. And when Spanish colonizers came, they didn't understand that there was women on equal and sometimes um, on higher social status than the men. And they tried to use divide and rule kind of strategies to divide the people and that, um, and that, that there's always been resistance since that time and that the Baibailan actually still exists today. Um, some of the indigenous uh, consultants um, that I worked with um, have re- received the call of the ba- the Bailan or the Babailan and really helped me understand that these are living histories that we have. And we have a rich um, history of Philippine folklore and legends that I, I welcome folks to come learn and experience. And I sure hope they do as well. And once again, it is running up until October 27th. Yes. And it's at the Theatre Centre at 1115 Queen Street West. And I believe you mentioned a couple of other uh, associated names with it. Yes, so it's um, produced by Cahoots Theatre in association with Be Current Performing Arts. Right. Cahoots Theatre and Be Current at the Theatre Centre, 1115 Queen Street West. You can find out more by calling 416 416- Five three eight zero nine eight eight, and if you're interested uh, in in finding out more, uh, perhaps getting this uh, performance into your area, if it may be, it might be out of the outside of the GTA, I'm sure that uh, you can get a hold of of Joe online. Yeah, definitely, I can be reached um, through my website www.joecimalaya.com or through Cahoots Theater, C A H O O T S dot C A. There you go. So uh, once again, what we've been talking about is Hilot, which means healer, and that is on at the uh, Theatre Centre, 1115 Queen Street West, until October 27th. 
So, Joe, it's been a pleasure having you in here today, and I really, really enjoyed hearing how you described this, and, uh, and I wish you all the best with it and other projects in the future. Thank you so much, David. What an honor to speak with you today. And Have a great day. Appreciate your time. Miigwech for coming in, and thank you for listening. And this has been Element FM. We hope you listen again. Onigiha.